Welcome to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. Hello and happy February, and welcome to the month of joy here on the Simple Self-Care Podcast. February can be kind of a dreary month for a lot of us, you know, with the excitement for spring just around the corner, but it's actually still winter, and your body is craving some sunshine and tank tops, but another snowstorm just hit. Well, And even if you don't live in a wintry setting, it can still be kind of a blah month. So that's why I decided to spice it up a bit by interviewing some joy experts. Some people that I look to when I need to add some fun and positivity to all areas of life. I've got quite the lineup of guests for this month, starting today with one of the happiest and funniest people I know, Molly Yeh. Not only is Molly a longtime friend of mine, but she's a world-renowned chef and blogger. Her cookbook, Molly on the Range, was listed as one of the best cookbooks of fall 2016 by the New York Times, and she has received so many awards and accolades that I can't even name them all. But before we get into that conversation, I want to take a moment to remind you of a new live course that I'm offering starting in March. March is a perfect month to get all of your ducks in a row before the hustle and bustle of springtime. Winter is on its way out, but there is still some precious time to tuck in and prepare for the changing of season. And I want to help you establish some simple self-care practices to create a strong foundation for the rest of the year. Personal guidance from me, a loving community to share your growth with, and self-guided instruction all come together with my new offering, Self-Care Foundations. Learn how to tune into your own inner wisdom, feel empowered in your body, and learn some new self-care tools like journaling, meditation, and therapeutic yoga for your home practices. There will also be some tips and guidance on how to bring your self-care home practice with you, no matter where you are. Registration is now open, and the first 10 people to register get a free hour-long one-on-one mentoring session with me, discount pricing, and a special self-care gift in the mail. So for more details on that and to register, head to naturallyrandyk.com. That's naturally R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y.com. Okay. Back to Molly. And a little backstory that would be good to know. She's a Chicago native that moved to New York to study music at Juilliard. There, she met and fell in love with her now husband, Nick, and they moved back to the upper Midwest to embrace a simpler life on the farm. If you follow Molly's blog and Instagram, you know that every occasion can be made a fun celebration with the right mix of fun fetty and cute marzipan figures. And her spin on your childhood comfort foods will warm your heart and your belly. Take a listen as Molly and I chat about bringing joy to the kitchen, what to do if you don't like cooking, self-care travel tips, favorite winter rituals, and a cautionary tale for all of you schnitzel lovers out there. Oh, and a few disclaimers. Sorry in advance for all of my giggling and muffled breathing. No one makes me laugh like Molly does, and it took all of my energy to keep it together. But feel free to join in on the giggles. It's a good time. And in the travel section of the conversation, we mention a friend of ours, Nicole Ray. She's also a gem of inspiration for positive affirmations and daily practices. And you can check her out on Instagram at artist Nicole Ray. Alrighty, here we go. 
I've always loved food. I've always loved eating and um, have always been around people making food. My mom is huge into cooking and baking. And so I grew up thinking that it was completely normal on a Sunday morning to wake up to a freshly baked scone or coffee cake made from scratch. I thought everybody's mom did that. Um, And I was always really picky growing up, though. I would only eat like cheese and macaroni and cheese and grilled cheese. Uh, and so when I got to college and I, in New York, that's when I started trying all of the other foods aside from cheese and bread. And so, uh, that opened my eyes to a whole new world, many new worlds. Um, and so, uh, I guess just from there, I've, I, I grew my love. I developed my love because in the beginning when I was little and I liked eating, it was just all the same picky eater food. But then when I uh, went to New York, I discovered so many more things to love about food, eating at restaurants, and then eventually learning to make my own food, um, learning how fulfilling that was creatively and also healthier and cheaper and just super fun. Um, and so it's something that I've always enjoyed and will hopefully always continue to enjoy because you have to eat. Right. <laughs> That's the goal. Um, so when you found out that not everybody's parents made them fresh scones in the morning, what did you think? <laughs> I thought, I remember being at my best friend Gigi Douglas's house for a sleepover and we woke up and her mom took us to Burger King and we got those mini cinnamon rolls. And I was like, this is what I'm missing. Oh, <laughs> oh so you thought deprived. No, no. Oh. It, it didn't. I thought, um, you know what? And this is this is so bad that I thought this, but I thought, oh my gosh, does her do, like I shouldn't single out Gigi, but like my, my other, my friends whose parents didn't cook everything for them. I thought that their parents didn't care about them as much. (laughs) I, I, I was so afraid that like, you know, maybe, maybe my mom needs to, to cook for them or something. What's going on? Like, why are they eating cereal? Shouldn't their, their mom be making them after school snacks? I was so awful that I thought that, but well, not necessarily. I mean, that's your that was your reality, right? And that's probably like your love language. Like food was an expression of love. It absolutely is. It always has been. And and um on the other hand, I remember when I did start cooking my own food in college. I had my first apartment. If I wanted to show my friends that I cared about them, I would make them a batch of cupcakes and a lot of my friends like didn't really understand it. They were kind of like, why are you wasting your time doing this? Like, why, like what's going on? And I was so offended that they didn't see that I was just trying to show them that I cared and that I loved them. So when you got to college and you discovered all these new foods, what were some of your favorites? Like what blew your mind? Oh, um, one of the best days of my life was when I won a free month of schnitzel from the schnitzel and things truck in New York. I was their 5,000th Twitter follower. (laughs) And my prize was I, 
I got to eat at the truck every single day for a month for free. And, and uh, that was the one of the most delicious months of my life. <laughs> Sorry, it's just making me giggle. <laughs> It was outrageous. I would like ride my bike through Midtown Manhattan, getting hit by doors of taxis, just trying to get to my schnitzel. And the truck was in a different place every day, so I would kind of have to hunt them down. And uh, and they would serve these schnitzel sandwiches, and it was really really crispy. They would serve it on these huge loaves of ciabatta, which were really sweet. It was almost like eating a schnitzel on a donut, and mm-hmm. I gained a lot of weight that month. But I was gonna say it was absolutely worth it. Did they get to know you by name? Like, were they expecting you? Yeah. Well, yeah. So then, the day after my schnitzel month ended, I decided to to go back to the truck because I didn't want it to be like, oh, I'm only going to the truck because it's free. And so my month ended. I I rode up to the truck. I had my cash ready to pay them since my free month was up. And, uh, and Gene, the owner's brother, he gave me the schnitzel and he was like, what's that? And I was like, I'm paying. My month is up. And he was like, no, you're never going to pay again. Oh, that's awesome. So your love for schnitzel scored you free schnitzel forever. And then I was a schnitzel for Halloween that year, obviously. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> story and I can just picture you riding your bike and like freaking out and like making that your life goal every day yeah (laughs) um I like I kind of wanted to wear a cape so that I could (laughs) like like the schnitzel was was like my power like I could like the great schnitzel eater I'm gonna have to edit out all my laughing because you're just cracking me up. I just love this story. I haven't heard it before. Well, I should show you my schnitzel costume. It was actually—it um, was a slutty schnitzel. It only had one arm, and and I made it. I made it by hand. I sewed pieces of felt together by hand, and. Uh, and there was a lemon on it. There was mm-hmm. a piece of parsley on it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I got to my friend's Halloween party and nobody knew what I was. Oh, well, I- how dare they? How- I know. <laughs> I hated them. They were like, are you a Long Island iced tea? Are you a piece of poop? Like, you fools. I'm a schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should send me that photo and I can put it on the show notes for if you were if you're willing to share it with the world. It's it's it, it's on my blog still. Yeah, okay. I, will, I will send it to you. It's, okay. it's really embarrassing, but <laughs> so how has the combination of growing up on mac and cheese and those staples and then your what you discovered in New York, like how has that influenced um what you're known for now? I would say that food of the 90s and of my childhood plays a huge influence on the recipes that I like to develop now, Um, whether that's, you know, creating funfetti from scratch or dunkaroos from scratch or using flavors that I was exposed to in New York and on my travels to kind of make fusion foods that are influenced by both the 90s and and 
foods from other countries or or flavors from from around here too. I mean, like the upper Midwest is also one of my most favorite influences. And I love learning about recipes around here, like hot dish and cookie salad and Snickers salad. I didn't know about any of those before mm. I moved. Um, and well, so you got a mean hot dish. I can attest to that. Thank you. I don't know what I did before hot dish. Mm-hmm. Like, how do other people go through winter without hot dish? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I want to learn funeral hot dish next. What does that mean? It's with a red sauce. Did you not grow mm-hmm. up with funeral? Wait, you. I grew up here, but I didn't know the difference between hot dishes. I just figured like anything can be made a hot dish with the right process. I didn't know there was a difference between a funeral hot dish and not in like church hot dish. Okay. So funeral hot dish has a red sauce and I believe noodles. Ah, I don't think it's mm -hmm. topped with tots. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Would you mostly have tater tot hot dish? Mostly tater tot, but then like, but it, it wasn't even that formal even. Like tater tot hot dish was pretty much at every kind of function, but it was also just like whatever you had left over in the fridge, you would just kind of put it together and put it in a hot dish pan and bake it like you would a regular hot dish, and then it was hot dish. Bake the shit out you of just it. Just baked it. <laughs> yeah. And you just served it and and people ate it because they were thankful for comfort food. So, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why bring so much joy and fun to your cooking? Because there's a lot of, I feel like most chefs take cooking so seriously, but all of your recipes have this like playfulness to it. And you're just not afraid to just have a good time and be silly. Like where does that come from? That motivation come from? When I was little, my mom, she would never give me coloring book this is like the most mushy analogy or metaphor or whatever it is but she would never give me coloring books she would always give me just blank sheets of paper and have me draw my own pictures it was like maybe a little bit hippy dippy but she was always so encouraging of just either creating your own fun or um making your favorite foods from scratch or combining like we would go to the grocery store and I would want to buy Oreos and she would look at me and laugh and be like, why would we buy them when we can make them from scratch? That'll be so much fun. And I was like, yeah, that will be so much fun. Or like uh, we we would have like these dumplings of the world parties where we or on the holidays. We would pull out, you know, 10 different types of 10 different recipes for, for different dumplings and then um, make the, the dough and make the filling. And then all of our friends would come over and we would make dumplings together. And, you know, maybe some of them weren't really traditional or not dumplings uh, or, or not like uh, dumplings by definition. Like we would make arancini, which were the fried rice balls, which probably aren't technically a dumpling or um, I, I don't know. We would just, we we were always like bending definitions of things like just because they were fun and because they were they were tasty and um and my mom always says this thing a messy kitchen is a happy kitchen and so because of that food and cooking and the kitchen was just always my happy place and a way that I could be creative 
Um, and, and after studying music, seeing food as a creative outlet, but I think just seeing the contrast between studying classical music and sort of catching on in that creative process at the end of the, like after the piece of music has been written in music school, I was, and still now I, you know, I play other people's music. I could never write music. That was never something that came naturally to me, but the idea of building something physical like a cake or a scone or, um, you know, a recipe, a piece of whatever, that was something that made sense to me. And once I made that connection, so many things became clear and I recognized, oh, this is, this is creatively fulfilling to me and this is what I need to be doing. So what made you want to, like going from your stud- your music studies to blogging, what made you want to make that transition or start focusing on that more? Yeah, I mean, it, it just came down to wanting to be part of the creative process from the start to the finish. So every day, all day long in music school, I would be in a practice room practicing the xylophone, playing music that had been written 100 years ago or whatnot, or sitting in an orchestra waiting for my triangle note to come up, like waiting and counting hundreds of rests until I could play my one note. And I was bored a lot of the time. And so when I discovered that I could create a recipe, I could open up my computer with a blank plate with a blank page, type out a diary blog post, edit a photo, take the photo, style it, do all of that and be part of that process from start to finish. That was something that I got so excited about and it still excites me today. And it's something that even if blogging wasn't my job, I would be doing it all the time because I feel this kind of pull to always be keeping a diary and documenting. Um, and, and I just love playing with food. It's, it's fun. Cakes are like edible sculptures and, um, and flavors are just so much fun to play around with and learn about. So then you meet Nick, or Egg Boy, as he's known as, to the masses, um, out in New York, and you move back to Grand Forks. Um, are you on the North Dakota or Minnesota side? We're on the Minnesota side. When we okay. moved here, we were on the North Dakota side. Okay. And then uh, about a year later, we moved across the border. You switched sides on me. That's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Moving to... North Dakota, Minnesota, how did that influence your love for cooking? Well, a lot, a lot of foods that I missed from New York, like bagels or, uh, or hummus or the street food that we would get all the time, I didn't have access to those anymore. So if I wanted them, I had to make them from scratch. And, and I had a lot of fun with that. It was something where, you know, if I was making it from scratch, I could put my own spin on it. Um, I could, you know, tailor it to, to our tastes and, um, and it's, it's been fun for the most part. Sometimes it's just really frustrating. Like when I see my friends back in New York, Instagramming my favorite noodles, I, I like get, I don't know, (laughs) I get FOMO, (laughs) uh, and, and I, you know, wish that I could 
just call up or do what what is that called Grubhub or Seamless and have some noodles delivered to my house. But uh, but you know when I go back and visit, it just makes them taste better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you had to embrace more of a seasonal lifestyle moving back to the Midwest? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a lot of it is just in general, not having the kind of access to produce that um, New Yorkers or Californians with their fancy farmer's market have access to. Um, And so I have entire cookbooks where I just can't cook any of the recipes because it calls for like a very specific radish or a very specific piece of kale. Um, And, and that could be a bummer, but um, in the summer we have a garden and so we've been trying to grow the fancy radishes and grow the fancy kale but i'm i'm kind of awful with keeping a garden it turns out but luckily i married a farmer so we're getting there <laughs> that is good news did you like living on the farm right away or was that a bit of an adjustment yeah i mean i was definitely ready and I have some friends back in New York who will never leave New York. They are New Yorkers through and through. But for me, it was sort of one of these things where the time, by the time that we moved here, I was ready for a quieter life, a simpler life. I wanted to have one pizza place as an option in town. I didn't want to get to Friday pizza night and have like 300 million options. Um, Or I didn't want to get to to my weekends and have to decide which of like the 600 concerts going on throughout the city that I would actually go to. Um, I just kind of wanted to stay inside and spend time with my family and work on my blog. Um, and, and just kind of like have a very simple life. Um, I, I had sort of gotten all of the partying and all of the going out to restaurants and all of the concert going out of my system during the six years that I lived in New York um, and before that living in Chicago too. So um, it, it was, it was great. I mean, from the beginning, I just worked for as many hours as I could on the blog and then later on the cookbook. Um, And so uh, it, I took to it like a fish to water or a, I don't know, a Jon Snow to the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, So so that like high paced lifestyle isn't really your natural way or did something happen to make you desire something different? Well, it was weird because I spent my entire adult life or, or the entire beginning of my adult life in a city. And so for a while I didn't even know that that much else existed. And I think when I learned that there is a world where grocery shopping isn't a sport and you're not completely wiped out after it. You don't have to schlep your groceries onto a subway. You can put them in a car or you don't have to like stand in line for 20 minutes. You can drive a big cart through huge empty aisles. I mean, it's simple things like that, that are um, part of just this awesome quality of life here that once I learned that that could be a thing and and that I could have, you know, my, my, my dream job 
in somewhere else that isn't that doesn't demand such like a high paced lifestyle. Um, I I searched for ways to make it happen. So, what are your favorite parts of living in Minnesota, or I guess favorite parts, but especially like in the winter? Yeah. I just love the way that Minnesotans embrace the winter. Uh, the like the snowshoeing and the cross country skiing, and I haven't gotten into the ice fishing culture yet, but I love that people get so excited about it. Um, there are so many great foods that are so unique to Minnesota that are just perfect in the winter, um, and. It's, I mean, it's beautiful here. I love that the snow falls and then it's so cold that it doesn't even get brown and slushy and melty and gross here. It's just frozen all the time. (laughs) I'm glad that you like that because a lot of people don't. (laughs) I love snow. So what are your, so when it's like, so we're going into February, you know, most of us are ready for winter to be over it's dark you you know don't have any travel plans like what do you do to really enjoy where you're at you know what I do is I go all out for valentine's day (laughs) I yeah it's it's so silly I mean and, and not because of like the romantic aspect of it but because of all of the candy and the heart-shaped cookies and every year I make a Valentine's cake and I have I have like a heart-shaped Dutch oven that I use all the time and pink shit and red shit is just everywhere in my kitchen right now. And so anytime throughout the holidays when I think to myself, oh no, the holidays are going to be over in a few days, I make myself get so excited about Valentine's Day and and it works. <laughs> like I decorate <laughs> for Valentine's Day. I buy all of the paper goods from Target. And it's, I don't know, it, it, it might seem a little bit silly, but, but that's one huge thing that keeps me going throughout the winter. Um, and then, and then the other things are just, I just have to kind of take it easy on myself sometimes, like not put so much pressure on myself if I'm, you know, feeling a little bit behind on work or if I feel like I need to go and um I don't know get a massage or get a facial or something like that's okay like I go easy on myself and um and sometimes the one of my favorite parts about not really having a set work schedule is that I can sleep in I'm so not a morning person and so my one treat every every day is I wake up a little bit later than I probably should. And then I read in bed for like half an hour. And that way I can just kind of wake up really, really slowly. I don't have to jolt myself awake. And, um, and it's, I don't know, I can, I can be, I can be lazy in the morning and then, and then work a little bit later at night. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I do that. I, I guess I just, I, I try to keep myself creatively stimulated in the kitchen. Um, and aside from work, I just try to put the emphasis on spending time with people that I love and keeping healthy and um, eating spinach. <laughs> <laughs> so 
to sum it up, it's basically slowing down and then making everything a party. Yeah, making everything a party and just recognizing that if you are feeling down, that's okay. That's normal, I think, for this time of year. And it's completely okay to treat yourself, whether that means, I don't know, taking yourself out for an ice cream or um, giving yourself a break midway through the day or letting yourself sleep in if you can or, um, or, or I don't know, just, just finding little things that, that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like going all out for Valentine's Day. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love that idea. I think it's easy to be annoyed by Valentine's Day. Um, but just like embracing it and going all out, like that's just a new, maybe not a new idea, but it's just like a, I never thought of that as being a way to get through winter. Yeah. Well, I think like the, yeah, the, the general tendency might be to think like, oh, Valentine's Day was just invented for capitalism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But hey, hearts are pretty, pink things are pretty, red things are pretty. Valentine's candy is good unless you're talking about those conversation hearts <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh it's 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 a lovely holiday and it doesn't doesn't have to be like a big romantic hairy thing but mm-hmm. so but I love- do you have recipes for those things on your blog right now yes yeah so I'm um I have my annual valentine's day cake that's an almond cake that I have made every single year. But I I remember making it, my family would make it when I was even too little to, I don't know, eat solid food. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. um, but it's a, it's a tradition that I look forward to every year. Nice. Do you travel a lot in the winter or is that more of a time to stay home? Um, yes, because that's when Nick is able to travel. He, during the summertime and the springtime and, and the fall, his schedule with farming is really, really intense. And so I think one reason why I actually really love the winter is because the winter is kind of like his summer where his flexible or his schedule gets way more flexible. Um, he, his workday ends a lot earlier and we're able to travel together. Whereas over the summer, um, usually if I have to travel for work, he can't come. So so since you do travel so much for work and for fun, do you have any self-care travel tips? Yes. I hydrate like it's going out of style. <laughs> like I I always get an aisle seat just so that I could chug water the entire time that I'm on the plane. Like that makes such a world of difference. I maybe at the most would have like half a glass of wine. But other than that, I try to stay away from drinking on a plane because you'll just get so dehydrated and it feels awful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing is whenever I travel, it can be weird sleeping in other places. And so I always, every night I sleep with an eye mask and earplugs. And I find that when I'm in another place, but I have my same eye mask, and I can put earplugs in, it kind of neutralizes things. It, it makes it makes it feel like I'm still at home. Um, so that helps. And also you just never know what setting you're going to be in when 
you're if you're like staying in a hotel in New York, there might be sirens going all night long. And so you just have to have that. Um, I take a lot of showers when I travel. I find that that fixes everything. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I love showers. <laughs> uh, oh, and then I, I'm a really big advocate for overpacking. I know that's really awful, but I think that packing light is severely underrated. And I think that um, having outfits that you're going to feel comfortable in and having like options to make sure that you have outfits that you're going to feel comfortable in is actually really important. Like I hate being stuck somewhere where I'm like, ah, I wish I had this nicer outfit for this nice meal that just came up. Or I wish I packed another sweater because I'm cold. Like, like I think that Packing light is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> so counterculture right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should do one of those like like spoofs off of like a minimalist packing post. <laughs> like, what's in my bag? And it's like, you know, Mary Poppins where like all these things keep coming out of it. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I would love to go on a trip with a minimalist packer and just have them you know like ask to borrow one of my sweaters like that would give me so much pleasure because I'd be like yes I have six extra sweaters <laughs> see I like packing light but I love traveling with people that are over prepared because well, then I benefit you booch off of them <laughs> I do yeah. yeah you know Nicole Ray uh, uh-huh. artist Nicole Ray when we travel together that's what it's like I'm like oh man I wish I had this she's like I brought two I'm like thanks I love you <laughs> like Maybe that's what I need. Maybe I just need to bring Nicole Ray everywhere I travel. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. She's so fun to travel with because everything is a new, exciting experience, and it's really fun. Does she always have a snack, too? For she you? always has a snack, yes. Yep. The other thing is that if I can't find her, um, I'll just, like, have to look around a little bit, and then she's, like, over in a corner with somebody, and, like, they're crying, and she's, like, helping them with their life. <laughs> And like a stranger she just met. And I'm like, oh, it's just Nicole. She's just Nicoling right now. That's amazing. Nicoling. Yeah. That's so good. I know. Um, so back to the traveling thing. So when you get home, what do you do to recover from a trip? Um, what do I do to recover? Okay, so I have this problem. This probably doesn't help. This doesn't answer your question, but, okay. <laughs> but this problem where if I don't unpack within 10 minutes of getting home, like if I don't walk in the door and immediately unpack, I will be living out of my suitcase for the next three weeks. Like <laughs> I'm it's, the same way. <laughs> so weird. Like I have a suitcase going right now from, from a trip last weekend and I have, it's like, I have to force myself. So I guess that's my answer is, mm-hmm. is I just. I try and force myself to unpack and just get right back into daily life. Like if I, if I need to sleep for a day, if I need to take half a day off or whatever, I let myself do that. But, um, but I do that. And then I eat a lot of salads because traveling, like I, I'm always trying all sorts of really unhealthy food. But so I get home, I eat salads, I go to the gym, I sleep and ideally I unpack, but that doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of 
eating habits. So you make all of these delicious treats and hot dishes and things. How do you balance that with staying healthy and fit? Um, I think I just like <sighs> Nick helps me have really good self control. Um, and and I I try to time my uh, my cake recipe development with like somebody's birthday. So if I need to make a cake, I'll just wait until it's their birthday to make the cake or I'll make it and then stick it in the freezer. I mean, one thing I like about living in Minnesota is that everybody has a deep freeze <laughs> and like in addition to their freezer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so we have that and we just fill it right up with sweets and, um, and yeah, if it's something unhealthy, then I just limit myself, only take enough bites as necessary to, to taste it and to, to make sure that it's, you know, that the recipe is where I want it to be. Um, and then, and then I stick it in the freezer or I give it to a friend or give it to, to Nick's parents. Yeah. That's such good self-control. Yeah. And I think just like, like when you're around it all day too, it's not like, it's, it's not as special of a thing. So, um, and so it's not like it's not like where I feel like, oh, I'll need to eat this slice of cake because mm-hmm. I'm not going to see another slice of cake for, you know, another two weeks. Like, that's not the case. I that's know true. that I can always have it. And so that kind of helps me uh, pace myself. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just so different from my life. <laughs> but you don't make cakes every day? I don't. I don't. And when I'm around your food, I'm just like, bah. Taking just, it all in, taking plates home. I'll start delivering. Okay. <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> um, so I guess one last thing um, I'd like to get your take on. There's a lot of people out there that don't enjoy cooking and they don't, they just, you know, the kitchen isn't a happy place for them, but a lot of people want it to be but they just don't know how. What would be your advice for people to start embracing the kitchen more and really making it a fun, curious experience? Hmm. Do you cook a lot? I do. Yeah, I, I, I like to cook. I wouldn't say that it's my favorite thing, but I think part of it is just it's it can be overwhelming, and so it becomes, like, stressful sometimes. And so, like, with what to do? like what recipes to choose or yeah recipes that have a lot of steps or yeah, what I think that tell me tell me your, I'll tell your you my, <laughs> everyone will hear my kitchen woes um I think yeah a lot of it is like at the end of the day you know I've been massaging and like doing a bunch of stuff so it's like I don't necessarily want to be standing and moving around cooking I want to just like sit with my bowl of pasta <laughs> it's basically yeah. my go-to um and then yeah I and I I think I get overwhelmed when I look at recipes as well I just want it to be simple I want it to be relatively quick and I want it to taste good and so mm-hmm. there are certain recipes that I have created that it's like that and it's become a fun experience but when I get sick of those I just, you know, I don't really know what to do. So, yeah, I think it's really over, 
it is overwhelming to look at all of the recipes that are on the internet and in cookbooks and just everywhere on Instagram and on Facebook, those freaking tasty videos and, and be like, Oh my God, where do I start? Um, but it, but, but you don't, it's not like something where you have to tackle a bunch of recipes at once. Like, like you have your few recipes that you love to make, like, your repertoire. So I would say when you have a little bit more time one evening, or maybe it's a Sunday, or maybe it's a day off or something to work on just adding one more recipe to that repertoire at a time. Um, like find a recipe that, uh, you know, maybe just has a few ingredients or maybe has ingredients that you always have on hand. Um, things like, I use canned tomatoes all the time or, or canned beans, um, or eggs or dry, like rice, dried lentils, just things that are really easy to have on hand so that you don't have to go to the grocery store and then also cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then learn just, just that one recipe, like, become familiar with it, figure out how to do riffs on it, figure out, you know, how to do substitutions when you're out of one ingredient. Um, like, like a fried rice, like if you're making a fried rice, learn that you can just add in whatever extra protein you have in your refrigerator or whatever extra vegetables. Um, or if you don't have rice, you can use like cauliflower rice or another grain or farro or, um, or, you know, kind of think of it in like an equation. Um, and yeah, I would say like, it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to learn to cook everything at once. I would say that, that learning just one recipe at a time, um, and not being afraid to like repeat it a bunch until you can, you know, just, just cook it really quickly offhand. Um, and then you can also just do things to your recipes that you're already comfortable cooking, um, make little tweaks that might just be as simple as switching out a sauce or switching out a seasoning or switching out whatever vegetable is seasonal or looks good at the moment. Um, and, and recognizing that that could create a whole new dish with using the same techniques and the same amount of time and prep. Um, and so it doesn't have to be learning entirely new, crazy things at once. It could just be, you know, small baby steps and, um, and it doesn't have to be stressful. Um, do you have any tips like how you are in the kitchen, like putting on music or making sure everything's clean first or like things that can make that experience, like enhance that experience a little bit? get a little drunk. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like one, one thing that I always do, uh, I'm not always, I, I would say like every so often if, if I've had like a stressful day in the kitchen, but at the end of the day, I still need to cook dinner. I'll have this transition where it'll be like, okay, I'm done working, but now I'm moving into this time period where I'm going to hang out with my husband and we're going to have fun And even though I'm still like in my workspace, I need to enjoy this. Um, And so we'll like put on TV, put we always have friends on in the background when we're cooking. And so that 
that sets the vibe that says, okay, we're not working. Um, I'll have like a glass of wine and we call it lowering our heart rate, <laughs> we lower our heart rate and relax. And so that also kind of signifies the end of my work day and the start to the evening. Um, and, and then we'll just like talk and we'll talk about our days and, um, and, and we cook together, even though, um, I won't throw Nick under the bus with his cooking skills, but I'll, I'll give him some, he, he can handle some easier tasks at this mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like cooking with somebody and, uh, definitely, um, yeah, starting with the clean kitchen. And then, um, I use bigger utensils and bigger, um, uh, bigger bowls than I think that I'm going to need and a bigger cutting board. I have this huge cutting board that I don't have to worry about things falling off of it. Um, and then really sharp knives will make chopping really therapeutic and fun. Um, and, and, and like, I think just recognizing that if you screw up, it's, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I mean, the worst that happens is you might just have to cover it with sriracha or, uh, or I don't know what, what are some, or you, I, I don't know. You might have to just like zhuzh it up at the end with, with some more salt or some, some more sauce and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. Zhuzh is a good word. It, do you know how to spell zhuzh? No. It's, um, I want to say it's it, it's actually like in the dictionary. It's it's not mm-hmm. just on a monopia situation. It's Z H O O S H. Oh, Zhuzh. I yeah. love it. That's great. It's <laughs> underused. Totally. I use it when I teach yoga, and I want people to like move their foot a little bit. I've been using the word skosh. Like, just move it a skosh. How do you spell skosh? I have no idea. It's um, I, like a um uh a tish like a yeah. It's just like another word for a little bit. It just means a little bit. It's just a little little skosh, a little zhuzh, a little skosh. Yeah. So just you know, when you're cooking, just just add a little skosh extra of salt <laughs> than you think you need. Usually that that brightens things up. Oh, another thing is lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like acid ingredient acidic ingredients are uh underutilized sometimes and they can um really brighten things up though just like a squeeze of lemon juice at the end will mm-hmm. will will make your flavors pop mm-hmm. would you say that a skosh of lemon juice is a good way to zhuzh up a meal could not have said it better myself <laughs> brilliant <laughs> um great so do you have any upcoming projects or things on your blog that people can look forward to I have a yogurt book coming out on March 13th it's a little book oh I did not know a yogurt yeah, it's, book it's part of a it's part of a series called short stack and mm-hmm. Each of the books are about a different ingredient and it's supposed to be sort of simpler recipes. So, so if you are a beginning cook, this might be something for you. Um, and it's sweet and savory recipes, uh, that use my favorite dairy ingredient, yogurt. Nice. How will people get updates and announcements on that? Um, I will be posting incessantly about it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. 
and Twitter okay. and my blog. Is it all my name is Yay or what? Is it is. Name? My Instagram is Molly A. My Twitter is Molly A. Um, and the blog is mynameisyay.com. Cool. Well, anything else? Um, let's hang out soon. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is true. We'll cook together. We can. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, we can do it. We can. I remember. We... I don't think. I don't know if it was for your hot dish party. I think it was. No, I don't remember what time it was, but I was up there and we were cooking. Oh, I think it was for your apple party. And <laughs> and I was like helping you chop something. And you're like, what do you think should go in here? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> Molly is asking me. <laughs> And I like, I'm like, I think this. And you're like, sure. <laughs> and it was like so refreshing. And it like made me feel really included in the process. So thank you for that. <laughs> but I was like a little intimidated at first. And then I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then hey, yeah, a good time. <laughs> that's a, lot of cheese, a bunch of cheese all over it. Yeah. <laughs> that's my go-to. That's no, great. <laughs> no, that was it's fun. It was fun to to cook a little bit with you. So yeah, we'll have to do that again. Oh man, I love that girl. <laughs> and isn't her love for food and life infectious? She reminds me that it's okay to choose joy. That even in a deep winter or stressful season, a little fun and a little silliness can go a long way. And if you are dying to see Molly in her schnitzel costume... <laughs> and want links to her blog and social media, head over to the show notes at naturallyrandyk.com slash podcast. And while you're there, you can subscribe to my free weekly newsletter and get self-care love notes from me and links to each new podcast right to your inbox. And don't forget to also check out the Self-Care Foundation's live course. Take a look at the details, see if it sparks a little something, a little nudge that it could be for you. And if it does... I'd love to see you there. Tune in next week for my conversation with Becca Shearn from Minimal Wellness. If you want to bring more joy to your health goals and simple living, this will be the episode for you. Until next time, take good care and enjoy the journey. <laughs> my, I, like tears were coming out of my eyes when you were telling me that story. I just, just picturing you, a young delighted molly a just obsessed with this truck just i was i was a plump molly a <laughs> i love it so much <laughs> <laughs>